You're listening to the Tranquility Tribe podcast, an empowering space for all parents from conception to childhood. In this podcast, you'll explore your birth options, hear from experts in the field, learn to embrace self-indulgence, and prepare yourself for parenthood with Haiti. She's a coffee connoisseur, lover of deep belly laughs, a big-time tailgater, and your neighborhood birth junkie. From Mississippi to Massachusetts and everywhere in between, here's your host, Hee. Hello, villagers. Happy Tuesday. We are starting a brand new week and the world is yours. Take the world by surprise, by total storm. I really challenge you to do something this week that makes you say, I am freaking strong. I am so brave. I want you to, to push yourself to a place where you're a little uncomfortable, but you'll definitely succeed. That is my challenge to you. Happy Tuesday. Go make this week the best one yet. Thank you so much for spending time with us today on the Tranquility Tribe podcast. I am so stoked to share this episode with you. I think it's very clear where I stand on midwifery care. I think it's an amazing choice for women who want to explore that option, but I respect if it's not your jam. I one day hope to have a home birth for myself attended by midwives and hope that I am afforded that right to choose when I want and to make my own decision about who I trust with my care during that time. It's also no secret that I love the freedom in birth work and the relaxed regulations. I think it allows for providers and practitioners the freedom to walk different paths but also come together for the greater good of women's health. When every single provider is cookie cutter, your care actually becomes in jeopardy because all the creative thinking goes out the window, whether it be because of governing bodies like insurance companies or because it was stomped out along with, you know, just along the way. That doesn't matter. But with so many varying backgrounds, the possibilities are endless. You are taking all of these people and you're allowing them to combine approaches or collaborate with one another. I believe in my heart that this freedom is what birth work is all about. I believe it's what gives us so many choices in the birth world. And what's my favorite thing to harp on? You have choices in pretty much everything, remember? Right now in the state of Massachusetts, there is a bill. Bill H1189 is threatening this very choice for the women in our state. For our Massachusetts listeners, this one is extra important for you. For our global listeners, here's some free education on what's happening around the world and the choices you might not even know that you have. We will dive into home birth, the rights of childbearing women, how strict regulations can take away the choice of many women, and what you can do to help. I am so thrilled to have Joyce Hunt Kimball on the show to discuss the bill today. Joyce is a home birth midwife here in Massachusetts. She has a wealth of knowledge, and I'm so excited to share everything that she has in her brain. From the very beginning of my doula journey, she was someone that I looked forward to hearing from, and I also learned so much. She has an answer for pretty much 
everything. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this. Matter of fact, I was so excited that when we first started to record, I didn't even hit record. I was that nervous. Joyce, welcome to the show. Thanks. So before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about your midwifery practice and a little bit about your family? We always love to get to know our guests and their families and what their everyday life looks like before we hop into the episodes. Sure. So let's see. I'm Joyce Kimball. I own and, and run a home birth uh, and birth doula practice called Joyce Kimball Birth Services. I live in central Massachusetts. I, um, I worked for 15 years in the business world, but when I had my son in 1995 with midwives in the hospital, and then I had my daughter at home with midwives at home, I knew that I was not going to go back to the corporate business world when I was out on maternity leave with my daughter. So, uh, when my daughter was a year old, she's 18 now. A home birth midwife rented space below my husband's computer store in Holden, Massachusetts, and she was looking for an apprentice. And I said, I could do that. So I started apprenticing with a home birth midwife in, uh, gosh, November of 2000. And she had a midwifery school in Amherst. And I attended her midwifery school for three years, and I apprenticed with her for three years. And then I went through what's called an apprenticeship. It's kind of like a residency where you get your skills signed off. And uh, I went to donor doula training and I thought I was just going to do a couple of births a year, but I, I attend about 50 a year. Yeah. I do a That's little bit incredible. Of That's crazy. Okay. So, and you have more children than just your one daughter. Yes. My son is 23 and just graduated from UMass Amherst. Yep. That's great. Oh my gosh. Congratulations to him. That's, that's really awesome. Cool. So two children. That's amazing. So, so for the very, very basics, jumping into midwifery, can you tell us a little bit about the different paths that you can take to become a midwife? We've talked on the show before about the letters of CNM and CPM and direct entry midwives, but can you break it down for our listeners so that we can be refreshed into exactly what we're diving into today? Sure. So certified nurse midwives have attended nursing school and they have a nursing degree and then they go on to graduate level schooling and get graduate level certification um, in midwifery. Certified professional midwives do not have, typically, do not, are not required to get a nursing degree or have nursing schooling. Uh, they have completed some didactic or book learning part of midwifery. And then they've completed hands-on, like a residency, or we call it an apprenticeship uh, portion of midwifery. And it is strictly and solely mm, midwifery practice. In, it just so happens I went to nursing school. But uh, in midwifery school, right, we're not learning about wound care and IV infusions. Uh, in midwifery school, it's, it's women in the childbearing year. And some midwives are also doing full scope of practice. So uh, gynecological care and well-woman care and contraception and things like that. So there's CNMs, so nurses who become midwives. And there are CPMs, certified professional midwives, so just midwifery. Um, and then direct entry midwives have didactic or schooling and experience in midwifery 
but have chosen not to go through a certification program for it. Maybe just as experienced as any other certified professional midwife just chosen not to go through the certification. Cool, so we talked about full scope um, for our listeners, full scope midwifery care in episode 30. So if you want to get to know um, the full scope care midwifery approach, you can check out that episode. Otherwise, thank you so much for that refresher. It's always nice to be reminded, you know, the differences so that we can um, think about how that affects our decisions. So for all the skeptics out there of home birth, I love this topic so much because I know that you're all out there listening. (laughs) I love nothing more than to have an expert in the field teach you and have the chance to educate you. Joyce, when someone says, is it home birth dangerous? What do you say to that? (laughs) I'm taking notes so that I can also say this, just FYI. (laughs) Listeners, you should too. I think our culture is afraid of birth. I think uh, that home birth is not for everyone. I think that it is just as safe to have your baby at home as it is uh, in a hospital. And in fact, in some situations, it is safer to have your baby at home than it is for you to have your baby in a hospital. Home midwives, have less infections, have fewer inductions, have uh, fewer cesareans. Um, We have better outcomes than hospital providers and hospital births. We also take low risk moms. So moms who who have chronic health conditions and it doesn't make sense for them to have Uh, um, an unmedicated, for whatever reason, childbirth, it doesn't make sense for them to have a home birth. So um, home birth in and of itself, you know, having your baby in the four walls of your home is no more dangerous than having your baby in the hospital. I love it. Oh my goodness. I I love this so, so much. So what do you say to those partners who are really hard skeptics? Like how do you get them to understand and support their partners on this journey? Well, you know, I sent you this long list of uh, studies and articles and first person accounts of home birth and what it's about. But honestly, the couple really needs to come together and both need to feel like they are going to have their baby through home midwifery care and in their home because that's what's right for them. So my job is definitely not to convince anybody to have their baby at home. uh, Women women should have their babies where they want to have their babies. They should have their babies where they feel safe, uh, you know, and surrounded by, you know, peace and love and joy. Um, And for some people that is with every machine, with every sound, with every bell and whistle, with every medication. So I do go through a lot of information about um, the outcomes of home births, uh, what I do, what my appointments look like, what the studies show. And we talk about every, what we call rare situation. You know, we talk about post dates and meconium and, uh, you know, the two most common things that everyone wigs out about. What if the cord is around the neck and what if I bleed? You know, we talk about all of those things. Having home midwifery care is kind of like concierge service. Uh, you hire me as your midwife. You know me. I know you. I come to your house. 
I spend an hour or two with you at every prenatal appointment. I check your blood pressure, your urine. I figure out what your stresses are. I talk to you about what you're eating. I can offer you any test that the OBGYN would offer you. And I am, you know, pretty much guaranteed that I'm going to be at your birth. So all of that that you are telling me and that we're experiencing through your pregnancy, I am present for. And we, we're, we're a team. And, and I work, work with you and walk with you through your pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum. I love that. So, so much that you just said, like at first I was like, ding, 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 fear-based care. And Mm -hmm. listeners, you know very well where I stand on fear-based care here in our country. And, you know, then you moved into evidence-based care. That is so huge. And for all of our listeners, that's such a huge piece of what we do in this birth world. And then also I am all about that concierge life for sure. Like you're bringing the birth to me at home, basically like that. What else could you ask for? However, what about the people who are really scared um, that they might need pain relief at home if they choose to have their baby at home? And, you know, is that an option? What kind of pain relief is there? You know, what I say to people is we, we don't provide epidurals at uh, at home, um, I bring anything. I bring to a home birth what you would get at a birth center. So if you know that you want an epidural, then a home birth or a birth center birth is not for you because we don't do those in birth centers or at home births. Um, but I, what I do say is I provide you a list and a hands-on tools of every relaxation distraction technique that I know to help you work through your labor. Uh, so uh, it is not as if I say, nope, there's no epidural and you're, you're going to just flounder on your own and you're going to wing it. It's not at all like that. You know, we rent tubs and we you can utilize aromatherapy and touch and all of those things that we utilize as a birth doula in a hospital birth, we can utilize in a home birth. And, and, and other things like things like sterile water papules for back labor and um, uh, homeopathy, some herbal things. So there, there's, there are great resources for relaxation and distraction and, and pain relief in a home birth, but no, we don't offer, um, epidurals (laughs) or nitrous oxide. I wish we did. Yeah. Nitrous oxide is something that I, I get a lot, um, Mm. about home births for sure. Um, but there you go. I mean, you have options. I, the queen of saying you have options about pretty much everything mm-hmm. in life, right? So on to this bill. Can you please explain to our listeners what bill H1189 will be changing about the current midwifery laws of Massachusetts? Yes. Okay. So the bill was written by a lawyer who founded Bay State Birth Coalition. And the bill stipulates that anyone in Massachusetts who wants a home birth needs to have a home birth with a certified professional midwife, a CPM. And that that CPM needs to have gotten her education through a higher or more credit learning Um, and that this 
bill will create a board of midwives to write rules and regulations about home birth in Massachusetts. So there are 40 home birth midwives in Massachusetts and all but two of them are already certified professional midwives. So that's not really a bone of contention. Of the 40 midwives, 50% of them were educated through um, like a homeschooling method. We call it the PEP process. And the other 50% were educated through um, a, an accredited school program. We call it MEEK. So there's a little bit of contention that this bill is now going to require very experienced, qualified midwives to go back to school and get additional credits. But that isn't the biggest issue. The biggest concern is that there'll be a board of midwives, made up of midwives, my sister midwives, who will create rules and regulations that will disallow certain women from having home births. We, there are 30 states across the country that license home birth midwives. And 20 of those states, <coughs> excuse me, disallow women from having home births, certain women, like um, if a woman is over 40 or a woman is a VBAC or a woman lives uh, more than 30 minutes from the hospital by road, or there are, there are, hundreds of restrictions on women's rights to birth in United States midwifery laws. So that's the biggest bone of contention. The, the group that is uh, fighting for women's choice to birth at home is called Support Birth Choice. And I'm a founding member and I am part of their organization. Um, and so Support Birth Choice has created a list of seven things that they'd like to see changed in this bill. And Bay State Birth Coalition, the folks that wrote the bill, have agreed to two of those changes. But the, the most important one, the one that Support Birth Choice really wants, is a clause that says, do not limit with documented informed consent from the client, the home birth midwife from accepting and providing care to any woman who seeks it. We want that clause, we're calling it the protection clause, in the statute so that any woman can choose to have her baby at home. She doesn't need permission from the state to have her baby at home. And I know that sounds really simple um, and it seems basic. You know, Massachusetts is kind of, you know, we're a blue state, we're very pro-choice. Um, but when we start talking about women's bodies, uh, we, the state starts to feel like we know best, right? And uh, people start saying, well, what if she wants to have her triplets in her backyard? <laughs> and, and, you know, that would be crazy. And you can't let her do that. And you have to write a law or regulation that would stop her from doing that. Well, it's not my body. And I wouldn't choose to have my triplets in my backyard, but we, uh, Support Birth Choice does not want the state 
to write rules and regulations that will restrict a woman's choice to have a home birth. Yeah, that's, that's the contention, that's, that's the rub. Uh, most of us don't care that we need to be CPMs. Uh, 30, uh, 37 out of the 40 are already CPMs. That's not a big deal. Most of us don't really care that we have to go back to school. Most of us get twice as many credit uh, CEUs every year than we need. Uh, the, the, the rub is the protection for women, which is kind of cool because really, um, we, their Massachusetts home birth midwives want the best for their, for their clients. They, they want a woman's right to choose to be protected. And I, I love that. I, I think that's great. So that's the big rub. Yeah. I have so many feelings about that. Like at first I could just feel my anger like completely erupting out of me. And then I wanted to cry because I'm just so sad that this is like something that we have to do. It seems bizarre to me that we are not afforded the right to choose. So Oh, well, we are. We are right now. So in, in Massachusetts, we are legal. It is legal for you to have a home birth. We are just not licensed and we are not regulated. And we haven't been ever. Um, we have amazing outcomes and there have been Massachusetts home births since Massachusetts was in existence. Um, I know that our culture today sees licensure as honoring and validating and um uh, it's a gold star um I, you know again it's like it's like being a certified birth doula and not being a certified birth doula, not being certified you can be an amazing birth doula and have great outcomes and provide great care and not be certified so our culture today really looks at uh licensure <laughs> excuse me, as something that's good and valid, the issue becomes what comes with getting that license. What, what restrictions come with that license? Here's, here's another rub to the law. Um, health insurance companies, public and private, say that they prefer to only reimburse licensed providers. So the thought is, if we get licensed, maybe health insurance will pay for us. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> um, that stipulation that public mass health or Medicaid would cover home birth is only in six states. In Massachusetts, our most popular insurer is Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts. And they have said they will not pay for, cover, reimburse the procedure of home birth, regardless of who does it, a licensed OBGYN, a licensed CNM, or a CPM. So not only is insurance coverage not in this bill, uh, but our most popular insurance company has said it will not cover the procedure of home birth. It will not cover that service, regardless of who does it. God herself could do a home birth and Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts will not reimburse for it. So, so support birth choice is saying maybe what we have is pretty great. And if we're not going to be able to get our major insurer to cover it, 
and we're worried about having restrictions on women's bodies, maybe we don't want to be licensed. Maybe we don't need that gold star. So we're working with the other, we're working with um, Bay State Birth Coalition to try to see what, what we'll, where we'll, where we'll come to. Yeah. That is really incredible that um, even with all of the research and, you know, all the things that say that home birth is very safe, the major insurance decides that they're not going to pay for it. That blows my mind. And then also for all of our listeners out there, you guys know I'm not a certified doula and I stand very strong in that decision. So really, as we're talking about this, please consider both sides of, um, of, of what we're talking about here. So Joyce, currently do home birth midwives and um, like hospital healthcare physicians and OBGYNs work cooperatively in support births? Because um, for our listeners out there, there is a book out there called um, Pushed and it's really a great book. Um, it is, holy cow, it is such a great book. I recommend everyone read it, even if you're done having children, um, you know, even if you are, in your early 20s and not even thinking about it if you're you know pregnant right now newly postpartum i don't care if you're a woman you should probably read this book um but push she talks about that um in some states midwives and OBGYNs, healthcare profession healthcare professionals and the hospitals can't work together so it is a very um it has to be like a secret and it just makes me think of like how weighted that would be to have to have a home birth in secret. It defeats the whole purpose of having a home birth and having this gentle, safe place that you can have your baby. I know. Uh, you know what? We're really lucky in Massachusetts. We're lucky in a couple of ways. One, Massachusetts has the highest number of OBGYNs per capita of any state in the United States. So our little 400 home births a year is a drop in the bucket. And Massachusetts uh, does a lot of hospital birth. And they, the last thing that they are thinking about is the, you know, 10% uh, of the clients that I have transfer. Uh, so five. And I transfer to a variety of different hospitals. So uh, an OBGYN or a hospital certified nurse midwife may only see a home birth client once a year. It's not a very, uh, it's, it's not as if our, our worlds run together. Uh, honestly, if you have a regular course of prenatal care, you have a lovely labor and birth and postpartum, you never see a hospital-based provider. <coughs> Excuse me, you never need to. So uh, unfortunately, when we do need to transfer to the hospital, that is, of course, when we, they have a tool that we don't have that we need. Um, so they're only seeing, you know, the 10 or 15% of the clients that we transfer at the hospital. And so, and we transfer care and we maintain uh, labor support for that client. Um, so I wish that every OBGYN could, or every hospital certified nurse midwife could come to a home birth. Um, they are far too busy. <laughs> But, um, but the cool thing is most of the home birth midwives have been doing it a long time in Massachusetts. I've been doing it for 18 years and we have great relationships. Um, we have home birth midwives that go and uh, help teach the medical students labor support techniques. They sit on panels at the hospital of like 
um, catching babies panel, you know, where they have everyone from a perinatologist to a home birth midwife, you know, to a maternal fetal medicine doc. Um, that we, you know, we develop relationships with our local hospitals. And uh, yes, in some states and in some hospitals, the, you know, the, that local OBGYN or that local hospital practice may be deeply against home birth for whatever reason. What, maybe they think it's unsafe. Maybe they saw some terrible outcome. Um, but, but we are very lucky in Massachusetts that we have fairly cooperative care. And in fact, we have some, um, parts of Massachusetts in Western Mass where hospital-based providers will do any of the testing for the client, like be strep testing, uh, take blood for prenatal labs, and then get their full prenatal care with a home birth midwife and have a home birth. So it it works out really well. We we haven't had like the police has not been have not been called. Uh, there hasn't been a lawsuit against a home birth midwife, um, you know, by a hospital. Uh, I don't know ever, uh, but I do know in the 1980s the Massachusetts Board of Nursing um, had a court case against a home birth midwife to clarify her role as a nurse and, and to clarify her role as a home birth midwife. But we have really great relationships uh, and have had really great relationships with hospital-based care providers and transfer very smoothly. You know, in Massachusetts, if your problem can't be handled at their hospital, they transfer you to the higher level hospital. So in my area, I transfer typically to UMass and I am just one of many. You know, if St. Vincent's in Worcester has a higher level problem, they transfer to UMass. Uh, Marlboro Hospital, Clinton, Lemonster, they all transfer into UMass. So I, no one looks at me like, oh my gosh, it's a home birth transfer. <laughs> I'm just one of many where a mom has a need that can be fulfilled at a higher level hospital. That's amazing. So I saw on Facebook one of the most chilling things, and I think it's a really great depiction of what happens so often due to fear-based care in America. All right, here it goes. Officially 41 weeks. After 42 weeks, my midwife can't do a home birth. Had my membrane swept today, I'm 75% effaced, one centimeter dilated, and babies descended to about one centimeter station. Would you do anything else to naturally try to get labor started? My first was a long labor, started with my water break-in, then cascade of interventions with a C-section after 24 hours, and only dilating to a three. Thanks for your ideas. This is what women do to their bodies to try to meet the state licensing rules on home birth midwives. Can you talk to some of this, um, you know, like stories that stick out in your mind that are just heartbreaking of, um, you know, maybe stories of women acting out of fear. This is really important to talk about, I think, and no one does it. So mm. here we go. <laughs> it all the time. Um, this is really sad. And it's so, it's such a good example of what's happening in the United States today. I, I get that, uh, I, I get that hospital care providers are afraid. I get that they are under a lot of pressure and they are busy and overworked. And so 
when a hospital-based care provider sees um, a fetal death, a baby die, a stillbirth, because, and, and most of the time we don't know why a baby dies, uh, they want to do everything in their power to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So there's a lot of conversation about how the stillbirth rate goes from 7 in 10,000 to 14 in 10,000 when you go from 41 weeks to 42 weeks. There is a risk of stillbirth throughout pregnancy, but it does go up and hospital care providers will tell you it doubles, even though the absolute risk is quite low. So because of that increase in stillbirth rate, hospital-based care providers are afraid. They don't wanna be sued for not inducing you, not coercing you into induction. Uh, if that rare catastrophic, you know, lightning strike, horrible event happens. So, and, and you know, some hospital-based care providers are seeing 40 patients a day. You know, we are managing 4 million births a year uh, in, in the hospital system. So, so once you get to 41 weeks, you know, your baby should be ripe and ready. Let's go. Let's get this baby out. I don't want, um, OBGYNs are sued because they didn't act. They, they are never sued because they did a C-section, but they are sued because they didn't. So, so they come from a position of fear. I get it. I understand it. I don't love it. So then women are afraid, right? So, um, so uh, in this particular scenario that you just read, her home birth midwife has a state law that says that uh, the state has decided that it knows best. <laughs> and the home birth midwife may no longer attend her once she's 42 weeks. So women start doing all these things to their body, right, naturally, or they go into the hospital and they get Pitocin in their arm to try to get their baby out to meet a, a legislative state licensing requirement. It's not customized care for her and her baby. It has nothing to do with the health and well-being of her baby. Nothing. It has to do with who's available to do the induction, is an OR available in case the induction goes bad, and is the home birth midwife hitting the requirement of her state license. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's so frustrating. So women get induced because they're afraid. They, you know, in this woman's case, she had, was induced previously, had the cascade of interventions, ended up with a cesarean section because she quote unquote only got to three centimeters as if she failed, right? Her body wasn't ready to open to 10, as if it would never open to 10 if we didn't leave it alone. Uh, no so, one's ever pregnant forever, so just that. <laughs> I know. So I see, uh, I see that kind of fear-based care all the time, all the time, all the time. I see women uh, get told all kinds of things, right? Your baby's too big, you have too much amniotic fluid, you don't have enough amniotic fluid, you're too short, you're too tall, your BMI is too high, you, you're not dilating, you're, oh my gosh, so many, <laughs> so many. Yeah. So let me get this straight. If a birthing person does not want an induction, no OB is going to care for them after 42 weeks. And if you live in a state that it's illegal for midwives to care for you past 42 weeks, you're what, left with just the option to wait, free birth? Wait. So that's not true. Let's back up. Um, no OB in America 
will end care with you if you go past 42 weeks. Actually, medically, ethically, they need to give you a month of notice before they end care with you. So, so your OBGYN will continue to care for you if you go past 42 weeks. They will not like it. They will want you to have a non-stress test and a biophysical profile every day. They will beg you to come in and just be monitored. They will talk to you about gentle induction methods. Um, they will be afraid, but they won't not care for you. Uh, and you know what? Well, you see women, they at 42 weeks, they are hot and heavy. And everyone is wondering why she's being allowed to grow her baby that long. And after she's tired of not sleeping and she's tired of feeling like crap. And she says, fine, stick a needle in my arm and induce me. I'm tired of being pregnant. So, so an OBGYN will continue to care for you. And isn't that funny that we talk about a OB, an OBGYN? It's the OBGYN on call. You're not going to get the care provider that you saw for your prenatal care. So anyway. Um, and the second part of your question, um, a home birth midwife in other states that have restrictions on how pregnant a woman can be before you have to transfer her. Yes, that exists. Um, but not here in Massachusetts. You not here in Massachusetts. No. Nope. Continue care. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Cool. Okay. So it's a little bit better than, than what I thought, yeah. but I was thinking, man, if you were left with just one choice of, you know, free birth in your child, talk about fear. Like, well, oh, and that's what happens. Wow. That's what happens. We find that women who get kind of boxed into a corner where, uh, let's see, uh, their home birth midwife is no longer allowed to catch their baby because they're past 42 weeks and they refuse to go to the hospital, they free birth. It absolutely 100% happens. 100%. I support that. If that is what you choose to do, I support that 100%. But I feel so, so sad that you got there because of fear-based care, right? Like, mm. Right. If you want a free birth from the beginning of your pregnancy For because sure, that's what it. you choose to do, that's fine. But no one should be um, so frightened in so frightened by their hospital care that they are defaulting to home birth care, and no one should be so frightened with their home birth care that they're defaulting to free birth. You should consciously choose where and how you're going to give birth, not be pushed into a corner, and that's your only option. I don't like taking clients who say to me, "I don't really want a home birth, but I cry every time I go to my OBGYN," or I don't really want a home birth, but I don't have any other uh, hospital that's within a few minutes from me. And I birth, you know, like nobody should be forced into a corner. Yeah. Oh, you call it conscious, but I call it intentional. Like, I just feel like it should definitely be an intentional thought that, you know, considers all things. Oh, that's just sickening. So I think a burning question on everyone's mind is if no one is regulating midwives in the state of Massachusetts, can any like Tom, Dick or Harry call themselves a midwife and attend births? For our listeners out there, you're all too familiar with that. Um, you know, this is the deal for doula. So anyone can call themselves a doula and you can, or you don't have to take a course and get certified. Um, you can get, you can do what I did and you take the course, but you chose not to get certified for 
um, for me, I love this freedom. It allows me to be multifaceted and I use every bit of my journey of education getting here to serve my people. But, you know, I'm not a medical professional and I am not in control of someone's life, um, you know, and their birth. So if midwives have the same kind of freedom, you know, that could be a scary thought for people. So here's what bugs me about the way that question gets framed. And I get asked that a lot. You are infantilizing. You are, you are in a way saying that a woman doesn't have the mental capacity to decide who she wants to have at her birth. So if a, if a woman wants Tom, Dick, and Harry to attend her birth and play the symbols, that is her choice. And if a woman wants an experienced midwife uh, and she wants that midwife to have a CPM, then that's what she wants. So the question should be asked, uh, not can any Tom, Dick, and Harry put a shingle out and call themselves a midwife? Sure, I can put myself out as an astronaut. That does not mean that NASA is gonna hire me and send me to the moon. So a woman can have Tom, Dick, and Harry come to her birth if she wants them to do the dishes and fill up the birth pool, but it is her choice if she wants Tom, Dick, and Harry or if she wants an experienced midwife. I don't think we need to be protecting women from themselves. I don't think we need to be making choices for women on who can and cannot attend her birth. It's her birth. I love it. I mean, cue the exact reason that I chose not to get certified. I do think that if you're going to take your birth out of, you know, out of the hospital and into your own hands, um, then you should do your due diligence and be an educated consumer. So in my opinion, you have a place that's like, quote unquote, safe. Um, and I like giggle after that. And you know, where decisions can literally be made for you if you allow that. And that's at the hospital. If you decide that that's not for you, then I think that it falls on your shoulders to do the research and finding the best option for you. And that includes like verifying your providers and their experience and their skill level and their education and interviewing them. Like interview the people you want to have at your birth that just goes back to being intentional. Mm -hmm. it's I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Oh, it just does. So um, for this bill, how do people get involved? How can our listeners um, support this bill? So if you want to support the bill, you can go to Facebook or there's a website, uh, Bay State Birth Coalition. They have a website and a Facebook page. And if you uh, are against this bill or you would like to see adjustments in this bill, uh, then you can check out Facebook and there's a website. So Facebook page is um, Support Birth Choice and the website is birthchoicema.com. I love it. Cool. And so for our listeners, um, we'll link those in the show notes so that you guys can check those out and take any action that you want on that. So does somebody have to be a Massachusetts resident to, um, to like write a letter or to, you know, take action in this? Yes. So you need to be Massachusetts. Well, you know what? Uh, Massachusetts legislators like to hear from their constituents. I mean, that's what resonates the most for them. 
you know, they, you know, they are elected by us to do our bidding. So they want to hear from Massachusetts residents. But we certainly have people who come from New Jersey who were not allowed to have a home birth and uh, and come to Massachusetts and stay in a Massachusetts hotel and have their baby in a Massachusetts hotel with a Massachusetts home birth midwife because they had that freedom to choose that. So there are some people from other states that could write a letter to Massachusetts legislators that would explain or, or, or would support women's choice in birth. You know what I just pictured? I just pictured all of the, um, you know, wouldn't it be cool if all of your surrounding states like wrote letters and like drowned your legislators in letters and it was kind of like a hug from all the surrounding states that you know, hug that. Oh, I can just see it like going all across our nation. I love that so much. So where can people find out more um, about this bill? Are there other websites besides the ones that you've mentioned? Really, the, you can look up the bill on the mass.gov website and then really the two sides of the of the bill um, are through Bay State Birth Coalition or through Support Birth Choice. Those are really the two avenues. Cool. Okay. No, I, sh I, should, I should note that this bill doesn't come from midwives, um, but Massachusetts Midwives does have a website, massmidwives.org. So if you wanted to find home birth midwives, we have a website, we have a map of Massachusetts and where all the midwives are. And um, we had our annual meeting yesterday. We have a new website uh, that'll be up probably in two months, but we have a functional one right now. So if people want to know more about home birth midwifery or you know, contact the local home birth midwife in their area, we, that's up there currently on our current website. I love it. There you go, listeners. This is so cool. So Joyce, where can people find you? If they wanted to reach out to you personally, our listeners sometimes um, reach out and share inspired things or their stories or their experiences. And it's always really heartwarming. Um, so if somebody wanted to reach out to you and share something that you sparked in your conversation, where can I find you? Well, I am a very vocal, all over social media kind of girl. <laughs> so, my, I mean, I love email because I get to attach articles to email. So my email address is JoyceKimball3 at gmail.com. But I also have a business um, website call, uh, called birthservices.net. And I am all over Facebook. So I'm Joyce H. Kimball on Facebook, where you'll see pictures of my daughter and my son and my husband. Uh, and I also have a Facebook page for my birth services. So it's Joyce Kimball Birth Services, where I post hundreds of studies and pictures and just, gosh, everything birth. Um, and then I have a Facebook page, Support Birth Choice, that I manage. So I'm kind of all over Facebook. I, I have Instagram, but I don't even know what my Instagram account is. <laughs> Well, there you go, listeners. For all of you out there, Joyce is this, I just cannot even explain how deep her knowledge goes. From the very beginning of my journey here in the birth world in Boston, I was drawn to her. She always has the answer for everything. Um, she has like endless resources and connections. It's really incredible. I shared 
oh, literally a speck of her knowledge today. Like it was so tiny of all of her wisdom that she has. But I'm really glad that you all hung out with us today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. So as always, listeners, find your tribe and love them hard. Did you know that you can join our online tribes? Our private Facebook group can be found by searching the Tranquility Tribe podcast on Facebook. And our Instagram tribe is Tranquility by Hehe. If you have a story you want to share with us, please reach out to us at tranquilitybyhehe at gmail.com. Until next time, villagers.